Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Holy Talk. Email holytalkpodcast at gmail.com for more information. Welcome to Holy Talk Podcast and Israel 365. I am Danny Ortiz. <laughs> I'm Tuli Weiss. Shalom, everybody. Shalom, shalom. And uh, Rabbi Tuli, the reason I mentioned Israel 365 because we're going to try to do something different um, that we'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but how are you and how is Israel these days? Well, we are good. We just finished all the Jewish holidays, which is uh, very busy. And when all of the holidays are over, it's kind of like something a little bit sad about it, but it's also a little bit like, okay, now we can get back to normal. See, <laughs> although that's lost all meaning. <laughs> yes. Yes. But we're definitely in a transition right now from all of the holidays to what's usually normal life. And I love the fact that we were talking before and uh, you did a, a, a tour of Israel which was incredible. Uh, we'll let folks know how to get a hold of that. But you were talking about that tour, how you were talking about us court and how you feel like God just wanted us to get things right and, and things are different. And then you were just telling me today how the Sukkot was different than you ever had in your whole entire life. Um, talk about that a little bit, because I think it's amazing that, you know, even though we've done something for so long, you guys done something, you still find like almost a new sense of meaning, a new sense of purpose, because this year is like turned everything upside down. Yeah. Um, well, um, it wasn't just to code. All of the holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, everything was done outside of the synagogue. And, um, you know, it felt sort of like, I was telling my wife, it felt kind of like a, a real, just upheaval and you have to, you're starting from scratch in many ways. And so when you start from scratch, what do you start with first? You know, what are the most essential parts of the religion that you need to now rebuild and you can't do without? And if you, I don't know if you're following the news, but um, it's getting a little bit heated, like in um, some of the Jewish neighborhoods in New York, where the people are fighting for their right to pray in synagogues, like violently, which is very, yeah, very, yeah that's, that's uh, unusual. Um, and, and you have that same thing here in Israel. People are, are fighting for their right to assemble, to pray, to worship. On the other hand, obviously there's the health concerns, but when you're starting from scratch, what do you need? Do you need a synagogue? Do you just, you know, can you just pray by yourself? So we have, um, in Judaism, we don't pray by ourselves. We do pray with, you know, nine other guys, so 10, 10 men together. So we put that together on our street and uh, got to know our neighbors really well. With the holidays, it's not just the men, all of the women and the kids are participating. And so, we really like, there's something really special about the community that we are building now from scratch with our closest neighbors. Something really nice about it that would never have come about in under ordinary circumstances. That's incredible. I think, I think when we look at the original language and we look at the original text, I think it's always been for those who are closest to each other to congregate, congregate because 
you couldn't, everyone, I remember going to Shiloh and, and, and we couldn't all, you were showing us we were in the top of the mountain. Everybody could not fit in that first, you know, erected tabernacle. So there was all these, right, people standing aside. I'm, I'm, I'm sure the people that were closer to one another, you know what I mean, kind of congregated, but still looking at, you know, the first temple that was erected, right? And so I, I look at that as, and here's the same way. When we have churches, it seems like it's easy to drive by your neighbor's house and your neighborhood to go to a church to have community. And a lot of times we don't know how to have community with the folks that are next door to us. You know what I mean? And I find it the same way over here. My neighbor, Josh, we've talked a lot since the pandemic because he's my neighbor. You know what I mean? And it was, it's, again, it's easier for people to just go to the places and say, oh, I'm doing a community with these people. And I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a great mercy of God to allow us the opportunity, right? What a great opportunity that we are able to share with the person that's next to us um, when, if we can't get to, again, when we were Shiloh, 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 right? When we were standing in that mountain, I think that's one of the things I took out of that is that like I saw as far as the hills, man, millions of people can't come up to this place, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and do an do a, a offering, right? So they had to do it close to the people that they were there. And it's almost, you know, you can do it by seeing it, but you couldn't get, and I think we at that point where we can't get to the temple, but we can still do what we need to do with those around us. And I think that's a, that's a great opportunity. Right. You especially have that on Sukkot because you sleep at, we sleep outside. We sleep in the sukkah outside. And, you know, we have smaller properties and smaller homes in Israel. So you're kind of like much closer to your neighbors. And so you're outside and you're with your kids. They're outside with their kids. And it feels like the, the Israelites in the desert. And um, it's just a special thing. So no matter what, um, these are good times of year. And um, and now that we're done with the holidays, we begin. So the last holiday that we had yesterday, actually in America today, it's uh, it's still a holiday. And they're finishing reading Deuteronomy today. We did it yesterday. And it's... Um, and we begin the cycle all over again. We begin reading the book of Genesis. Genesis. And uh, so this Shabbat, this Saturday, all over the world, Jews uh, will be starting the five books of Moses from the beginning, like we do every single year, and uh, reading from Genesis. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1. And um, so, so let's talk about that. It's a great Man, book. that's great, great segue to go into i got the israel bible and i also got my regular bible here i got them both side to side okay. there's so many questions that i have and we're only going to fit some of them in because on the first uh the first you you study uh not only genesis chapter one but you go all the way to chapter six right and so right but we, we're going to focus hopefully chapter one and chapter two because there's so much in it I, 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 and it's late over there for you. So um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the greatest words is Barah for me. So I'm going to just read Genesis 1, 1. And we may not get out of it because there's so much in there. In the beginning, God created or Elohim created or, you know, Hashem created, right? Or the words Barah, the creative, right? The heavens and the earth. Two questions I have for you right off the bat is that word bara and the word duh you guys don't use the word duh there's a word et that you guys use right in the hebrew language right at heaven and at earth 
I know you didn't. You didn't know I was gonna go there. <laughs> but I, I didn't realize you became a, you became a Hebrew scholar, Danny. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love that word, and I love that it's set in that before it says at heaven and at earth, because I think there's so much more meaning to that. I don't know all of it, though. I love to study Hebrew and I love to study the language. I know that word is Aleph and Teth, right? So it's almost the beginning to the end of earth, right? So I'm creating a language that heaven can under, understand me and a language that earth can. So those intrigue me. So that whole, just verse one, this, I'm, that's all I can say. I'm going to leave it to you, Rabbi Tuli, because that Genesis is one of my favorite books. So Genesis 1-1. Well, there, well, there's a lot to say. Um, Ed, you're right, is sort of a connecting word, and it is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and the last letter, Aleph and Tuff, like you said. So it's sort of like A to Z, right? It's A mm. to Z. And uh, the, oftentimes it includes things that are not really alluded to directly in the verse, and it refers to more things that are, you know, it's an allusion to what you see, and there's even more behind the scenes that you don't see. Um, and, um, and, you know, in, in Judaism, a, a, you know, a huge difference between Judaism and Christianity is that we have the written Torah, which is the Tanakh, the 24 books of the Hebrew scripture. We also have the oral Torah, okay, the oral Torah, which uh, I don't know if we've talked about that, but... Um, have we talked about that? We, we dabbed it a little bit, but I know about the oratory, but yeah, if you could go ahead for our, our, our listeners, that'd be good to tap into. You know, we kind of, we have this belief that when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and, um, uh, received the Torah, so God gave him the written Torah and he came down with the written Torah, but that's not all he came down with because the written Torah, and that's again, the Tanakh, it, doesn't really make sense. I'll keep, for example, on the holiday of Sukkot, it says that you shall take in um, Leviticus, that you shall take the fruit from the goodly tree, or it's in Numbers. You take the fruit from the goodly tree and you wave it with the palm branch and the myrtle branch. And um, what's the fruit, fruit of the goodly tree? What does that mean? What's it? And so, it's not written. There has to be some kind of uh, extra explanation that wasn't written. That's the oral tradition. And so we believe that that came actually from God. That's divine. Mm. And so that's why today you don't have some Jews, you know, taking a pomegranate and other Jews taking a pineapple and other Jews taking a lemon. Everybody takes exactly the same fruit, which means that there was sort of this uniform tradition there's one meaning that was not written down it was passed down orally from generation to generation and that's like a really really important part of understanding judaism and understanding how jews interpret the bible and so the word et is kind of an allusion to that mm. that there is sort of what you see and then there is more behind the scenes in fact that lesson is built into the first word of the um, in the beginning. So some of the interpreters say that it's not a coincidence that the word in the beginning begins with the second letter of the alphabet, and that's a bet, not the yes. aleph. 
you know, it could have, it didn't begin with the first letter, Aleph. In Hebrew, in English, it's, it might sound a little silly to be playing these sort of word games. But no. in, English, in Hebrew, it's like, you know, it's the way that the language is wired. Things are much more intentional. And um, so it begins with the second letter in order to, again, imply and to teach that we don't have the full picture. Mm. We're starting in the middle of the story. We're starting at the second letter. There's a whole beginning that we, we, we don't know, we might never know. And, um, and so that's also built into the word bereshi. Uh, you asked about the word bara that got created uh, Elohim, Elohim created. So, so um, that word. I'm trying to think of what I could tell you about that word creation. The word creation appears in chapter one and chapter two in many, many different formats in Hebrew. That it says that God made, that God created, that God formed, that God um, fashioned. Right? At least in English. Yes. You know, yes a lot of different words. In Hebrew also, there's a lot of different words. Um, I think that the word bara, I think it means that he formed out of nothing, that he formed it out of nothing. He didn't, you know, come along and um, defeat some previous God that reigned in the heavens. No, that God took nothingness and he created something out of that nothingness. And then he fashioned order from chaos. And that's really like the theme of Genesis, fashioning order out of chaos. Mm. And um, there's a lot of distinctions that are made. Heaven, earth, water, sky, plants and animals, the sun and the moon, man and woman, everything sort of has this, um, this you know, division and God is sort of dividing things and then allowing them to flourish. And, um, you know, I personally, when I was younger, had, you know, some, I don't know if the word, you know, questions about Genesis. Well, what is it, you know, what about science? And the world is, you know, much older than, and it didn't really happen that way. And, and at least what I believe now is that not really meant to be taken as a scientific historical record that God created the world in six 24-hour periods. I believe it's really like, not it's teaching um, spiritual truths, not necessarily, you know, scientific facts. Um, and so, you know, again, I think that the idea of having these divisions built into the DNA of creation are really important. And you, you don't want to miss that part and like get hung up on the, you know, the, the, the questions you could ask about how it kind of seems to contradict science. And I think if you, when you sort of get sucked into that whole debate, you might lose sight of some of the more um, important themes of Genesis. I, I love that you said that. And I love that you touched on the science of it because I do, I believe the same way. I think, I think, the Bible gives room for science. And I think a lot of times we want to throw science out the window. You know what I mean? But I think a lot of times 
we don't understand it's more to me i look at it like it's, it's explaining more how god thinks and who god is as as a god towards us you know and the greatest thing that we can do is rightly see him and see the way he he operates towards us instead of trying to figure out every nuance because we definitely can't it's so much in it and so much that we don't know about him right that he and and the fact that he allows us to know what he allows us to know about him is incredible within itself. And I think that's the reverence that you hold, right? The, 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 the Torah in or the Tanakh or the whole scriptures in is in the reverence of knowing, like, even though I can study this and I can spend every hour of my life studying this, I still won't get the scope of the whole thing, right? Because there's so much in him that I don't know. And he's revealing himself daily, right? So that's that kind of drawing daily, right? So you and I have been studying this for a long time, you know, 20 plus years, right? Studying a specific book, right? And every day and every year we grow more. Like even this year with all the, the holidays and all the festivals that you've done, this year has been different than every other year. And why? God uses that for growth. So I think, I think when, we, when we take it at, at, oh, look at what it says here. And can you explain this to me? Not everything is explainable away. And, 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 and I just hit on... Genesis 1 and 2, right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? In my translation. And then the earth was without form and void and darkness. And I've heard that spoke in, in so many people trying to put stuff in there that I think folks don't, can't just go, I really don't know what it says. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean? I'm not going to try to get my own interpretation of it, you know? And I've seen a lot of people, even, even between those two, there's a lot of interpretations, you know what I mean? That this happened and that happened. And I, I think a lot of times we just don't know how to settle in that. Let's look at it in all contexts and see what God is talking about himself here and us, right? And so when we talk about that creative bara, bara, when I look at bara, I look at his creative power, but I also look like that in verse 26, he made us in that image. And we also have a sense of creative power within us, right? When it goes to verse 26, but I don't want to go ahead of myself because there's so much between one and 26, in the calendar and the year. And I know we, we wanted to get into the calendar, we didn't, but maybe you could touch on that a little bit as you go into the days and as you go into the nights. Is that where you, uh, where, where you where in Judaism, you get your calendar based from Genesis 1? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because it says over and over again that there was, that there was night and there was day, the third day. There was evening, there was morning, a fourth day there was evening there was morning a fifth day and so that's exactly where we get that from that like that the jewish the Jew, jewish day doesn't begin at midnight uh and go till eleven fifty nine. it really goes from sun you know from from sundown or when the stars come out that's when the night the day begins that's like where shabbat begins friday night doesn't begin saturday at midnight or Saturday morning, it begins Friday night till Saturday night is when it ends. And then Saturday night is already, you know, it's called, it's like Sunday already, basically. I wanted to maybe um, point out something, share with you something in our uh, both Jewish and Christian uh, listeners, something that I, I, I heard about before, but I really just spend a little bit more time digging into it over the last few days. And it's really fascinating to me. Let's, let's dig it. You mentioned in that first verse, it says, Breshibara Elohim, Elohim. And that means that, you know, that's the name of God. It's one of the names of God. We have in the 
Torah and the Bible, a few different names of God. We actually don't say the name of God. Um, yes. We don't pronounce it. Um, it's considered to be like too holy. Uh, and so we say oftentimes Hashem, Hashem, which is H-A-S-H-E-M, means the name, the name of God. That's how we refer to God. We'll just say, you know, thank Hashem, the name. And um, that's also like an important thing you'll notice about Jewish people. Um, but, you know, we read it and we certainly notice that different times in the Bible, it will use different names of God in order to describe different attributes of God. Okay, so for example, in the creation story in chapter one, the name Elohim, and we, well, I'll say like Elohim, we turn the H into, K, into a K sound, yeah, Elohim. So it is the name Elohim, which is involved in all of the creation in chapter one. All right, you'll never notice this in any Bible but the Israel Bible, okay? And any Bible that is, uh, that's not a Hebrew Bible. So if you, if you look and it's, you know, for example, in verse one, and we didn't translate it accurately in the Israel Bible. We were a little bit, we weren't sure how to translate God's name. And we did what a lot of Jewish Bibles do and it, that is that they don't in English distinguish between the different names of God. And, and I, it was a difficult decision because you're s sacrificing some accuracy. And so you'll have to bear with me here, but- No, absolutely. In, I, I think I know where you're going, so I love it. Go ahead. Okay. I'm excited. So in, in verse one, you have Elohim created. And then in verse three, Elohim created he, uh, light and darkness. Verse four, Elohim saw the light. Verse five, he, Elohim called the light. Verse six, Elohim made the separation. Elohim appears in almost every single verse in chapter one, all right? And then, um, it, and then it continues. And then basically in chapter two, you have the creation story again. And a lot of people ask, well, what's the difference between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2? And that's a whole other conversation. But um, there is an important difference in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. What I wanted to point out is that, um, is that if you look at chapter 1, verse 31, again, it says, in Elohim saw that what, that what he made, and it was very good. And there was morning, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day, okay? And then we have in our Bibles, chapter two, right? Chapter two. But if you, if you look carefully at the Hebrew, so look at ver, chapter two, verse two, that on the seventh day, Elohim finished the work, and he ceased his work, and then in verse three, and Elohim blessed the seventh day and sanctified it and ceased all the work of creation that he had done. Now in Jewish by Torah scrolls and in a Torah scroll, 
there is a paragraph break at this point after chapter two, verse three. Okay. Okay. And then the next section begins with verse four, where it says, these are the generations of heavens and earth as created by, and it uses a different name for God. Lord God is the English version. The Lord God, yeah. And again, I regret it now. Maybe when we fix up the Israel Bible, we'll be a little bit more accurate this time around. But the Lord God, exactly right. It's a different name of God. It's obviously the same God. We only believe in one God. We don't have two different gods. But, um, but it's an important distinction that in a Torah scroll, there's a clear distinction between um, this section and the previous section. So why is it that our Bible, your Bible, my Bible, all printed Bibles today, include or stop creation after the sixth day and start chapter two with the seventh day with Shabbat. So I just heard this. This and I don't know if you've ever heard this before, if you if this is new to you, but apparently the chapters that we all have in our Bibles was um was divided up by bishops and cardinals in the church in the 13th century. In the 1200s, there was a, um, I think a bishop named Stephen Langton. I don't know if that name rings a bell. I had not heard of him. No. Um, when I Googled him, so he was actually um, famous for two things, dividing up the Bible into chapters and he was involved in writing the Magna Carta, okay, with like, you know, bringing independence to England. And, you know, he was a political philosopher and writer and a Bible scholar and a huge anti-Semite, okay? Huge anti-Semite, as were, unfortunately, most Christians in the Middle Ages. A lot of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what he did was he used his chapter divisions as a way to support and uh, Christian theology and to dismiss Jewish theology. And so mm. what he did is he separated chapter one of Genesis that ends after the sixth day. And in chapter two, it begins with Shabbat, meaning the, the Christian Sabbath is, he was trying to separate the Christian Sabbath from Saturday, from, or from this, making it like it was the first day of the week, right? Or gotcha. a separate yeah. day completely. And to try to justify the fact that Christians a thousand years earlier started celebrating Shabbat on Sunday and not on Saturday. I've always wondered why that is that Christians celebrate Shabbat or honor Shabbat, but on Sunday. It doesn't make any sense. It's in creation. It's in Genesis. And so he kind of went out of his way to divide and separate Shabbat from the 
previous six days of creation in a way that was a, you know, not the way that you know, Jews have understood this story. Jews understand the story as going through the end of Shabbat because it uses the same word Elohim in every single verse. And then it moves in the second section when it repeats the story, it uses Lord God. And Which is Yahweh Elohim, right? Which right. Is the, the word, yeah. Right. I've never so, heard that. I, I was like really blown away when I saw that. Such an I've, interesting. I've, I've never heard of that. I mean, it makes sense. There's other reasons that I believe that we have chosen Sunday, and that's that'll be a whole class within itself. Um, oh, let me hear. No, don't leave I, me no, hanging. What, what I, I, me I hanging. try to challenge. I try to challenge a lot of Christians on that one. Why? Why don't we do the Sabbath? I think for us, one of the reasons that we've always done because of the resurrection on Sunday morning. It's what why we feel that is Sunday morning because. Um, you know, our scripture says that, that Yeshua is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so he was resurrected on the, for us on the sun, on the Sunday, which is on a Sunday, not on a Saturday. And, and that's why Sunday became the day for Christians to celebrate because it's the day of resurrection for, for us as to how we celebrate the restoration of Christ. You know what I mean? That's why the reason Sunday has always been big for us, not, not, not wait, Saturday. Wait, but it says, it says, Shabbat. So Shabbat is not Sunday. Back yeah, then, Shabbat I, I is know, not But because, it, the, again, one of our scriptures says that, yeah, that Jesus himself said about himself was that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, meaning that he fulfills the Sabbath. And when he resurrects, then he resurrects on a Sunday. So he's the fulfillment of a Sabbath. So Sabbath to us is not just a one day thing. Sabbath is an everyday thing when we celebrate him because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. So that's how we Christians look at that word. And we, when we look at uh, Shabbat, we look at Shabbat as a person, not just as a day. So that's the mm. distinction. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, that's also new to me. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, but this is new. I've never read this before like this. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because one of the questions I have for you, and, and I've always had the same question is, and I'm glad you, you, you said that, that it separates three and four because did man then get created on the Sabbath or did he get created before the Sabbath? Which right. if he, it, it's all incredible if he did because to me, I've always looked at it like if man was created on the Sabbath, he was created from a place of rest to a place of rest. Like Sabbath is very important. Like that's one of the things I, I just did my podcast this morning. And that's one of the things I talked about was the Shabbat because part of my challenge to uh, my Christian brothers is um, because I understand the thought pattern they come from, which I just explained to you, that we still have to honor right, a restful day. And we still have to honor because when I, when I talk to people about God's plan, I don't start in what we will call the New Testament. I start in Genesis 1 because I don't think God's plan has ever changed from the beginning to the end. Like for us, it's from Genesis to Revelation, right? So, but I think you start in Genesis to be used to see his thought pattern. And so for me, I've always challenged us as Christians that there is, um, we have to give more meaning to Sabbath. We have to give more meaning to, because God makes a big deal out of it, right? And so we can't just put it aside and say, well, we're just going to forget about it because we chose to pick up a new pattern, but say, hey, I understand the new pattern and understand where you're coming from, but this is such a belief to God and God's huge on his arrest and he's constantly telling 
Israel. It constantly tells us, and then, and then in the New Testament, it reiterates the same thing for us. You know what I mean? Our writings, our Christian writings, reiterate some of the Sabbath talk, right? And so we can't just ignore it and say, well, we just choose another day just to choose it. So I am one that challenges Christians to really begin to start honoring the Sabbath and understand that it is a day that really God calls holy. And then in your relationship with God, see if you can work that out. But we can't take these scriptures and rip them out of our Bibles and say, well, I just choose not to see that is, but there's an importance. And, and this is one of the main reasons that I talk about. And so maybe you can highlight and tell me and, and, and help me, you know, am I looking at it wrong? When I, when I look at, all right, if God created man on the Sabbath, which is an amazing, if he did, he created man from rest, right? Because to me, um, man is a whole new, new, new different thing, right? He created it from rest. And if he created us from rest, then rest is an important thing to God. Like he constantly tells the children of Israel, when you get the land and when you get to you to build the temple, you will get rest, right? When Solomon says, you know, now in the time of rest, I can build the temple, right? So we know in rest, there was two building times. You know what I mean? I'm going along. I'm going to let you teach me a little bit. Tell me, tell me what, I'm, what I'm seeing here. Well, I think that this is a huge topic. We could spend a whole year talking about creation. Yes. Um, I want to, you know, just in the interest of time, maybe we could we could stop, at least stop the recording, because I want to okay. honor people's time, right? We're talking about time here. Um, and next week, we're going to pick up, though, with Noah, Noah's Ark, and the yes. flood, and the Tower of Babel. There's so much to discuss in the book of Genesis. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Shalom. But, Danny, don't go anywhere. Shalom, everybody. Shalom from Israel. Shalom. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Holy Talk. Email holytalkpodcast at gmail.com for more information.